Welcome back to the Elise Delucci Show, episode 109. How are you doing? Fact of the day, macaroni. Okay, first of all, do you say macaroni or pasta? Like my family says macaroni. We just say macaroni. It's what we do. But like macaroni versus pasta should be like the new sauce and gravy, sauce versus gravy argument, don't you think? Like it, it, we need we need to calm down with the sauce and the gravy thing. I, I'm a part of all these like Italian food groups online like as if i don't have other things to do with my time and uh i I, you know if i'm going on facebook like i want to just like learn something you know like not like about my sister's ex-boyfriend's cousin's new car you know so i'm part of these food groups and everybody's oh is it sauce is it gravy i'm tired you know is it sauce is it gravy how about let's take a nap why don't why don't we do that okay but back to the day pasta they found the first uh makings of pasta in some archaeological site, some archaeological site in the fourth century BC, we they found a pasta making apparatus, whatever that means. Okay, um, and that's the fact of the day. But of course, I had a fact check the fact, and so I take it to Google, and I find actually they found uh, in China Neolithic noodles. And I was like, oh, so does that trump the pasta discovery in Italy? And apparently it does because the Neolithic period is 10,000 BC. So there you have it. Did macaroni start in Italy? Is it? The, I think it's the pasta, the macaroni that we know today started in Italy. Noodles, though, different consistency started in China. We'll give you noodles. Okay, China, how about that? Um, okay, I finally caved and I ordered oat ice cream. You know, the brand Oatly. I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, you know, Oatly is the brand that's making the oat milk, right? It's all in the supermarket. And in New York City, if you're here, I don't know if you've seen in bus shelters, on the buses for like over a year now, everybody's advertising uh, oat milk, Oatly, oat everything. Oats. (laughs) We're Odin for life over here. I did try an oat milk cappuccino like months ago. I thought it tastes like hot oatmeal. I wasn't into it. Now, I, then when I saw that it's actually like healthier, well, way, way healthier for you, oat milk, I was like, you know what? I will learn to like oat milk cappuccino. So that's what I'm doing right now. But I just ordered from Key Food on Instagram, uh, on uh, Instacart. Can't keep up. Insta everything. I ordered Oatly ice cream. It's coming in an hour which is like 6.30 in the morning. But here's the thing. It's oatmeal, so can I eat it for breakfast? I mean, if you're getting oat ice cream delivered at 6.30 in the morning, I think we could say that's a breakfast food, no? Oh, going back to macaroni. I don't know if I mentioned this a few episodes ago. I discovered a new brand of macaroni, and I'm crazy about it. Garofalo. G-A-R-O-F-A-L-O, Garofalo pasta. It's made in Naples, um, Gragnano, Naples, which is actually the town where my family is from in Gragnano, Naples. And how I found Garofalo pasta is uh, I was doing one of the Instacart orders. I was ordering from Costco. I needed pasta. They didn't have, they had Barilla. They had like like a six pack of Barilla macaroni. And all it was was like elbows. And it's like, okay, you know, like if you are, if you come from the same background as me, like elbows are used 
the macaroni and cheese, maybe a child's pasta. Maybe if there's nothing else in the pantry, you throw some elbows in a lentil soup, maybe a chicken soup. Maybe you'll have elbows and butter, but everybody really knows like orzo and butter, tittellini and butter, pastina. Come on. Like, I was looking at the the Costco Instacart and I'm like, elbows, six boxes of elbows macaroni. I'll have those six boxes of elbow macaroni for 600 years. Okay, we barely eat that shape. So I found uh, Garofalo and it came in bags, you know, not in a box, which apparently the Italian Italians, the the Italy Italians, only do macaroni in bags. All right. Good for you. Okay. Good for you. And um, so I was like, should I buy the Garofalo pasta? Cause it was like a few dollars more. And I was like, yeah, what the hell? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like mama needs, mama needs a treat because that's our treat when we're parents, right? Our treat is, you know what? Let me get an extra bag of macaroni this week. Ooh, let me treat myself. So anyway, I get the macaroni. I make it. Oh my God. It, it, I can't even compare it. I swear. And listen, I'm, you know, I'm not a snob. Like I'm not, I, <clears throat> there are people that make the biggest deals over like nothing. Oh, I love sugar in the raw. I can only eat sugar. I can only do sugar in the raw in my coffee. I could never do a domino brown sugar. You know, people like that. Like I, 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 I can't, I can't even, okay. I can't even, but this macaroni was so good. Something about the texture. It had a creamy texture. I did as I normally do. I cook it al dente. It was it was beautiful. The, the, the shapes were nice too. It was like jamelli, like a, a twisty kind of ziti shape um, that almost had like a rough edge. You know it. Like you 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 know the shape. I, I don't know the name of the shape, but it's if you see it in the store, Garofalo pasta. Do yourself a favor, pick it up. After we blew through the six bags of that, I went back on Instacart Costco page. I tried to reorder it and they had a summer mix and it was like the tri, it was like six packs, six bags of the tricolor macaroni. No interest. The only tricolor time I use tricolors and probably you too is uh, if I was doing like a photojournalism shoot circa 1984 or if I'm making pasta salad and no one likes that at my house except me. And the last thing that I should be eating is a big bowl of cold macaroni covered in Italian salad dressing. Okay. So I did order um, the Garofalo pasta from Key Food. I was surprised they had that brand at Key Food, but it's coming also at 6.30. So that's that. On other things that I bought, by the way. So I let's talk about sheets for a second. I, I, I think we've talked about sheets in the past, you know? I'm always on the, the the hunt for the sheet. I do cuddle down, you know, and I ordered Lily Silk, lilysilk.com. Wait, before you even write it down, before you even think, oh, you should check it out. You know what? Do yourself a favor, check it out. But I'm already returning it and I don't like their return process, okay? The return process, I already feel like I'm, I'm in a communism situation here, okay? That's all I'm going to say to you. Actually, no, I'm going to tell you more. So I... I sleep with a satin pillowcase, a pink satin pillowcase. Like, of course I do, because I'm, you know, 38 going on 98. And um, I, and I've been doing that forever, as has my sister, because my grandmother has always slept on a satin pillowcase. Like when I was growing up, my grandmother, story time, when I was growing up, I grew up in one of those families where my grandmother was always around. You know, my grandfather died when I was like three years old. So my grandmother was always with us. And every and she used to sleep at our house. You know, we she had our own bedroom, whatever. 
And my nanny is what we call her in the top drawer of the dresser. You know, she would have like her nightgowns, like her knee highs, her nude knee highs, you know, her gigantic size satin underwear. Like I, I, I don't even know to this day where she buys those, but okay. And always a little tiny pink satin pillowcase, you know, folded up. And so when my sister and I, uh, my younger sister, my middle sister, I should say, Allison, uh, and I were young, you know, we would always see Nani, you know, with her pillowcase or her rollers in her hair, you know, and there was always, I think, like an air of glamour about that, right? So we started doing it. Anyway, so fast forward, I'm an adult, I'm sleeping on the satin pillowcase. And eh, I decided, I was like, you know what, why aren't I upgrading to silk? I mean, I work damn hard enough. Why am I putting my my sweet, supple cheeks on polyester every night. I get rashes from synthetic fabrics. Well, maybe not because, you know, this is what I've been sleeping on. But but I can probably assure you the polyester fabric of my pillowcase is probably some fagazi fabric because I bought it, you know, in 93, like in Brooklyn at some bazaar, okay? Probably Caesars Bay Bazaar to throw you people back if you're from this area. Anyway, uh, so I decide... I'm going to get a satin pillowcase. And because I have a shopping issue, I land on lilysilk.com after doing some research. And I see that Lily Silk has all these, you know, duvet, uh, you know, duvet, silk, silk duvets and sheet sets. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy myself silk sheet set and a silk duvet cover. I'm going to really splash out. And I did that, but the problem was it was literally three o'clock in the morning. Like it was one of those nights where the kids like just kept waking up. Like it was so hot. I had, I think, a bad set like earlier in the night. I like had a complete bomb and whatever I ate when I got home didn't fill the holes. So I had to, you know, do some crazy shopping. And instead of buying some beauty product or lip liner or a book that's going to sit on my shelf for the next six years and I'll eventually read it. I was like, let me go buy $800 silk sheets. Like insane. Okay. Insane. I, I, I was so insane when I, let me say, let me say how insane I was when I bought these sheets. Okay. Because my bed, you know, I have a Tempur-Pedic. Oh God, you got to upgrade if you don't have this. I have a Tempur-Pedic Split King adjustable bed. Of course I do. I was in the hospital. I've never seen such luxury as a hospital bed with a remote control, okay? So that's what I got. And I love it. But my, my uh, and you can, you can put a King fitted sheet on a um, adjustable Split King mattress, but you do understand though, if, you, if, you, if there's two people in the bed, me and my two daughters, for example, if I want to sit up and read and there's one, one fitted sheet, everybody's coming up with me, you know, or the sheet starts to come off. Oh, I can't even. So on my bed, I have to use twin, twin fitted sheets and then the King duvet covered or King top sheet, whatever. So I bought, I just bought a whole King set. The whole thing was crazy. Don't shop at three in the morning, people. We know this. I'm returning it. Okay. I'm returning it. I have to say the silk was nice. It felt nice. It was a nice light pink color. Here's the thing. I go, this, they come from China. I, I go on the website, okay? I go on the website and I'm like, start the return process. Perfect. You know, perfect. I have the box that it came in. I had the, I taped it back up. I was like, I'm just going to slip a label on here, in here, you know, tape it on the top. I'm good. What do you think happened? You have to like, you have to ask for a return first. Can you imagine? Like, let me ask you for forgiveness on why I don't care much for your product. And the thing is, is it's just like, 
not only did I buy the wrong the wrong size, I don't need it right now. I, I, and I, ah, I feel like there's other brands out there that silk sheet brands. And besides, do I really want to be slipping around, having slip and slide in my bed by myself? Do I? Does that really sound like a sound night of sleep for a working mother? No. <laughs> so I'm waiting to get this damn return is basically what I'm telling you. And I'm going crazy. $800. Can you imagine? Anyway, I was like, oh, that's like a month of groceries. Actually, that's not true. That's like two weeks of groceries for me. Um, Because everything's so expensive. You know how much I paid for a globe artichoke, you know, the big ones? $5. dollars the other day. Well, I was dying for it, so I had to get it. Mm. JFL is this week, you know, um, Just for Laughs in Montreal. That's the huge global comedy festival. I uh, sent, I, um, auditions for new faces, which is their new talent portion. It's very selective. You know, they only pick like, I don't know, 40 people from around the world. Um, and who they feel is on the up and up. And I didn't get it. I only found out a couple of weeks ago and then I wasn't able to say anything until they came out with the lineup, came out with the lineups. I'm disappointed, but you know, that's fine. Next year, the year's looking bright. Year's looking bright next year. That, you know, here's the thing. I had this interesting conversation with my aunt on the phone yesterday, my mother's sister, my auntie. And uh, I said, so she, I'll tell you the long part after. I'll tell you, no, I'll tell you how the conversation happened. But, but, the, but the short version is my aunt said to me, so why are you doing this? And by the way, she's my godmother. She lives in Connecticut. Like we're really close. She said, why are you doing this documentary? Like, what's what's the point? What's the point of your documentary? And I said, it's it's about, you know, trying to, well, I re- I am. I am a professional stand-up comedian. Um, but it, it, but I said, it, well, it's, it's, it's the journey of trying to be, trying to make it as a stand-up comedian, as a divorced mother of two girls. It's a story of reinvention. It's a story of what if you want to change your life? You know, like the, what if you just decide this isn't working for you and you want to change your life? Like it's all those, what if you have a dream and you just decide one day you want to go for it, right? And uh, so I said to my aunt, I said, you had your kids. I said, and um, you know, and you had, you worked, my aunt had a huge job on Wall Street. She, she had her children. And I said to her, what, and she retired at 40. Uh, to raise her youngest son. And I said, what if you just decided, you know, to go a different path instead of staying home when you retired, instead of staying home and raising your kid, what if you decided, you know what, I'm going to go do something like, I don't know, go be a tour guide, ah, whatever. You know, what if you took that path? What would it look like? What, what kind of work does it take? How tiring it is for you to, would it be for you to do that at 40 years old? And my aunt reminded me, which I forgot. She said, well, at least, you know, when I was 40 and I had John, my youngest son, he was only like three at the time. She said, and I retired. I did. She said, I got a piano and I taught myself how to play piano. And I really wanted to play at church. And, you know, and she was telling me the story and I forgot, you know, and it was nice to hear the story. And, and, and she, she said, you know, I started playing on Saturday mass and I was so nervous. She said, and then I got another mass on Saturday evening. And then eventually they play Sunday mass. And then 18 years later to today, she's now the music director at the church. And she said, and she did go that other path. You know, it's obviously not as uh, public as stands up comedy as a piano player at church. But the thing is, is, and she's like, you got to love the journey. You got to love what you're doing. You, you, 
you have to, you know, you, you can't, it's so, there's such a misconception in the arts about, uh, especially today, she's like, is that like, you know, you, you try something and then you're an expert and you make it and you're out there. She's like, no, she's like, if you really want to do this, she's like, like, I really wanted to play the piano. I hunker down. I commit to the craft and that's it. I'm on the journey and I want to see where the journey is going to take me. I want to get great, but I have to love this hunkering down and know that I'm just practicing and working to get good. So, and, and, you know, it's funny while I'm so close with my aunt, for whatever reason, we don't really get a lot of time to talk about passions and these kind of things. You know, I don't like come from that kind of like gushy, gushy family where everybody sits around and talks about hopes and dreams. And I, it, in some ways it's too bad. Um, but I actually think that's kind of prevalent, like without like throughout the Italian and Jewish cultures, because, you know, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. But anyway, um, so, you know, so we had this nice conversation. And after I got to Omaha, I just said to myself, yeah, well, you know what, like, who the hell cares that I didn't go get into new faces at JFL? Because next year is always another year. And it's about the journey. So that was, the, I just wanted to say that because I, you know, you sometimes like I forget, you know, social media, then I'm not doing any preaching, but it, we all know, I mean, social media, it, it's a, it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a freaking lie. You got, one day someone opens an Instagram account. They get, they get a ton of followers and what they're an expert. We should listen. Who the hell are they? What did they live a life? Do they have experience? Where have they been? I heard a good quote years, years ago. It said, never take money advice from somebody that's not wealthy or, 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 or some, you know, like, like, like you be careful who you take the advice from is basically anyway. So let me tell you why I had this conversation with my aunt. And I hope my mother never hears this because she'll die. Uh, is that so we, what I have a production company, you know, for my documentary and, uh, we're back in production. And one of the nights this past week, we started filming again. And, um, and it's great, right? It's totally great. And I have to plan for a family day of shooting, right? And my aunt, she has, you know, she's been, she lives up in Connecticut because it was oh, close to Manhattan, you know, but all that kind of stuff, you know, that's where she, her, she had her family. And um, she has, you know, a, a giant house and there's lots of rooms so a crew could be in there and the whole bit. But my family did not, when everybody got married and have kids, unlike other Italian American families, like unlike all of my friends, my family all moved in different directions. My mom went to Jersey. My my grandmother's still in Brooklyn. She's like the only way of getting me out of Brooklyn is feet first. It's like okay, Nani. My my aunt went to Connecticut. Um, my my uncle was in Jersey, and then he moved down to Delaware because you know, like who's not going to, to these other states because it's so much cheaper, right? And um you know, and they're older. So they're all like, they, you know, they're, they're settling into like wherever they want to be or retire, whatever. And let me just say, my aunt moved to Connecticut, not because she wanted to like get the hell away. She, her husband had family, children up in, I think, Rhode Island. So they had to find a middle point. You know, you got to take care of yourself, right? Um, as much as you want to think about it, everybody else in your extended family, you have to do what works for you, right? So anyway, I have the crew talk to my aunt. So she's like, yes, we'll film it at my house. It'll be great. And all it was going to be, and you'll eventually see on TV, all this day, or not see, I should say, 
all this day was going to be was going to be a couple of hours at my aunt's house, have the crew there. And we were going to film just the family having dinner, my whole family having dinner, just talking, you know, just just seeing what where I come from, what my family's like, what kind of what their care. A lot of them are characters. What kind of characters? They, what's the shit they say about me? And with the two kids and, you know, the Wall Street career and doing stand up, what all that. Just an Italian family dinner is what I'm saying. And my mother was so not happy that I wanted to do this at my aunt's house that she shut the whole thing down. And I am furious. I'm, I got to say, I'm so mad. I'm still so mad. And I don't know when I'm going to get over it. And if she ever hears this, she's going to say, how dare you put the family business out there? And you know what? I don't care. How about that? I don't care, mother. Okay. I'm sick of caring. Okay. So my mom, she moved into, uh, she moved, she moved maybe like six months ago into a new place. I don't think she loves it that much. Fine. Whatever. And it's very nice. You know, it's a 55 and up community in Jersey. It's very nice. There's nothing wrong with it. The house is very compartmentalized. It's her, her house before. I don't know why she moved out of it. I think she moved out of it actually because she got a freaking windfall. You know, during the pandemic, everybody was just knocking on your door saying, hey, can I give you a thousand million, bazillion, jillion dollars for your house? So, so many people were like, yeah, fuck it. Let's move to Tennessee. Then all of a sudden they get to Tennessee scratching their ass. And they're like, what did I do? Exactly. That's exactly what happened to my mother. You know what I'm saying? So she gets this offer for her house, her, for her previous home. And, and and she sells the house. And it's it, her house before that was beautiful. She built it from the ground up. It also was in a 55 and up community. It was open plan, just everything, the kitchen, huge, just, just amazing. You know, big dining room table, you know, that was in the, the open plan kitchen, you know, maybe it would fit, I don't know, 15 people, a huge island, you know, and not like a rectangle island. It was like a giant rectangle island that then had like a round, you know, end. So like with, with like twisty, like high back chairs where everybody could sit. It was like a really nice uh, convivial layout my mother had. So she sells this house and her new, and she buys this new house. And, um, <clears throat> and it's very compartmentalized. The kitchen's sort of like off to the front and, you know, whatever. It's not conducive to filming is basically what I'm telling you. And uh, it's not only that, it's that my mother just moved there. Like I don't have any uh, feeling towards that house. Like I don't walk into that house and and, and, and it's a it's a new environment for me, and I'm not all like California like that, you know what I'm saying? But it's just like I want to be filming in a place that I feel like I know, like I'm so comfortable, like all that kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? And um, and I, you know, and 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 that's that. So I wanted to originally do it at my grandmother's house in Brooklyn. But she lives in an apartment. She's in her 90s. It's too much for her to have a crew and the whole family at the house, whatever. So I said, all right, we'll do it at auntie's house. By the way, call my aunt auntie because she was living in London when I for work when I was born. And she insisted on the name auntie. So anyway, so I'm like, I'm going to do it at auntie's house. I check with auntie. Auntie's like, yes, everything's great. She tells me dates. I see the crew this week. The crew's like perfect. I give them the address. I, I show them like a picture of the house I had on my phone somewhere just so we they could see kind of like what they're working with. And my mother 
my, I, I, I text my aunt yesterday to confirm the date. And she's like, you know, actually, uh, we decided, you know, and like she's Italian, but like she lives in Connecticut all these years. So she's like very Connecticut, you know? And she's like, you know, uh, I thought about it. And actually, like, I'd be a little shy on the camera. And like, I don't really know how I feel about having like a reality show filmed in my house. And also, I don't know, we're all the way in Connecticut and I don't think the family's going to want to drive up here. And I was like, oh, I, I said, did you talk to my mother? Did you talk to my mother? Because this sounds like you talked to my mother. Because weeks ago, you were like, oh my God, yes, can't wait. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have the best time. And my aunt, she has like a giant baby grand piano. She has an organ. She has all these instruments like she plays them all the time. And like, sometimes like my mom will sing or my grandma will sing. She has the best house for the whole shebang. It's the best house that showcases my La Familia. You know what I'm saying? And my mother was so, ins- here's Italian people for you. If you're not Italian, here we have, here's how we roll. My mother was so insulted that I went to my aunt and I asked her, for the house to, you know, to do the house. And I didn't ask my mother. And so I, my my aunt said, yes, my aunt was honest in the text. She said, yes, I did talk to your mother. And your mother said, she, no one's going to come. It's too far. And, you know, she doesn't want to do it there. And I was like, okay. So then I get on the group text with the mother. You know, the whole group text is all gazy anyway. I get on the group text with my mom, my sisters. And I'm like, mom, why'd you do this? Then I get one sister jumping in, being like, did you think that mommy would sabotage? Like, you're filming? Like, are you kidding? And it's like, yes, no, she did. She did. Like, I just, I have written proof that she did. And it's like, look, I don't want to fight with my mother, okay? I'm not trying to fight with my mother. But I followed the rules, okay? And the rules, the unspoken rules, and you listening, you will know that the unspoken rules were weeks ago, I text my mom and my aunt and I said, hi, ladies, I'm doing the documentary. Mom, I want to film at auntie's house. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just giving you a heads up. I'll coordinate. Well, like I did everything. You know, then I had the separate conversation with my aunt and, you know, she gave the okays. Then my mom went back to my aunt privately and said, I don't like this. I don't want to do it, whatever. (sighs) So there's no family filming as of right now and not in Connecticut. And I said to my mother and my sisters on the group text, I said, not only is this so upsetting that you're just like so insulted that I asked auntie, I said, what? Like you can't, one of my sisters can't drive you to Connecticut. Like you can't drive to Connecticut for a few hours, one day, one day. You just can't go and just do like a couple hours of filming. You don't have to talk. You don't have to be interviewed. Nobody has to. Nobody has to. The cameras will be like 30 feet away. They're just going to get us from afar. You don't have. Nobody has to. We only just needed like a shot. Right. And my mother's like, well, I'm sorry. Like it's it's a husband's busy. It's it's my husband's busy season at work. I'm not going to mention his name. I don't need problems. Uh, is my husband's busy season at work? I'm not driving to Connecticut by myself. No, no one's driving there. No one's going, you know, just no. And I, I, I or just says, and, and if you want to involve me in your plans, talk to me first. You know, don't go, don't go to my sister. And my mother accidentally sent me a text. To, she sent a text to the group that she meant to send to my aunt separately. And it said, I, this is what the text said. I told you not to get involved with her. 
oh my God. I said, mom, who was that text for? And she says, oh, I meant to send it to auntie. I don't want her getting involved with you if, if it involves me. I said, first of all, this is what I'm dealing with. Okay, people, this is what I'm dealing with. Okay. You listen to this podcast for 109 episodes. You see me on stage. You watch my videos. You want to know what life is like. Not, and I hope that other people have this kind of crap that goes on in their family so I don't feel awful. But not every, you know, because there's a whole misconception that Italian families were like running around like happy little macaroni eaters. No, it's like not every Italian family is just happy and close and lives on top of each other. Like we're, we're happy. We have big personalities. We're, we're lovely people. We'll give you the shirt off our back. But there's this crap that goes on. Like, I'm sorry. My mother can't support one day of filming for my documentary in Connecticut. Like um, she acts like as if like I do a documentary a year. Like, you know, it's just it's just it's not cool. It's not cool. And it reminds me, it, I told my auntie, you know, because I had a whole conversation with her, obviously, which is how this whole story started. I said, this reminds me of when I was getting married. I told my aunt and, and she's like, what do you mean? Because when I was getting married years ago, you know, and I shouldn't be dredging up old shit. But I said, when I was getting married years ago. I was living in Manhattan. I got married in Brooklyn. I got married in the same church that I was baptized in, St. Patrick's in Bay Ridge, okay? I wanted to get ready for my wedding at the Plaza Hotel in Manhattan. That's where I wanted my pictures. That's where I wanted to get ready. I lived in the city. The church was in Brooklyn. And all these people from out of town, sorry, let me re-say, all these people from out of the country were in town. My my then husband's, soon-to-be husband's family came from what we had people as far as Australia at our wedding, okay, and South Africa. All these international people were in town for the wedding. I wanted to get done in the plaza. I wanted these people to be in the pictures, but my mother said, the tradition in Italian families is that you get ready at your mother's house in the bedroom. I said, that's if the mother's still living in the goddamn same house that the kid was raised in. Not you, not you who moves around like a player on the Monopoly board. Are you kidding me? So she, so that's what I did. I got ready in New Jersey at my mother's house and I forego the pictures at the plaza. I forego, you know, all the pictures with those. And they still blame me, by the way, to this day for doing that. And I still resent the fact they don't have gorgeous, glamorous, black and white Manhattan cityscape wedding photos, but that's besides the point. <sighs> I'm all for clumped about this. And I'm upset because it's just selfish. That's what it is. It's fucking selfish. And I'm, and I'm really, I'm really like mad. And, uh, you know, I was texting my ex about it and, you know, my boyfriend, because my ex knows all the history and he doesn't care. And of course my, I sent him all this huge text and he's like, text your boyfriend. And I was like, actually, like, text your boyfriend. And I was like, Oh, I hate you. But, um, so, you know, we're in production and everything's going to go great, but sorry, you might not get to see my family. And, and by the way, my grandmother, Nani, as you know, she's in her 90s. Who knows how long she's going to be around for? So I said to my aunt, to my mother, to my sisters, I said, you know, people, let me just say, this is also a nice way to have some nice family home movies before Nani's not with us, God forbid, one day. Nobody, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. My aunt's like, oh, she's in my aunt's suite. She's like, oh, well, you know, you could put pictures of us in the side. You know, you could do pictures or like, you know, TikTok videos, like splice together. But, you know, she'll put together the video. I'm just like, you know, forget it. So that's it. You know what? 
It'll be like other documentaries that you watch when when it says so-and-so didn't want to be on camera. They don't support the hobby. They don't support the profession. Because that, that's essentially what it is. And I told my mother, when this is on Netflix, <clears throat> on Hulu, and everybody's watching it, and her friends text her, start blowing up the phone. The ladies at the Mahjong start saying, why aren't you in the movie? You, I told her, could tell them why. Because... Because you didn't like that I wasn't going to film it at your house. Your house you just moved into. What she's planning on moving out of. Anyway, moving right along. <clears throat> the Central Park Boathouse is closing. I'm sure you saw it on the news. They shut down in October of 2020. I don't know if they move, uh, reopened. Oh, no, they did. They did. They reopened after the pandemic, but they can't sustain their rent is what they said. So everybody's like, oh, the boathouse is closing. And the second I read that, I was like, they're not closing. That's just a negotiation tactic to get a better rent. Because <laughs> that's what that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do with these schlock of landlords. I'm sorry. And no offense if you like are the landlord of the boathouse. I don't even know who runs that place. But I watched a movie the other day, TV talk. Uh, the Pope of Greenwich Village. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. I mean, it's from the 80s. So it's, you know, definitely old. But. You can't beat the clothes and the whole, it's just about like a guy, you know, he thinks he's the Pope of Greenwich Village, just a guy living downtown in Greenwich Village. My father's family is from Greenwich Village. They, um, they, that's where my father's family all lives. They, like a lot of them are dead. So they're not, including my father. So they're not there anymore. But that's where my family's from. So I wanted to watch it because I never saw it, if you could imagine. I never saw it. And I had dinner a couple uh, years ago with my friend, Gino. What the hell is his last name? He's a big actor. Gino. Oh my God. Gino, Gino. This is what happens when you get old. Anyway, I had dinner a couple years ago in Queens with my friend Gino. And we were talking about movies. And he was like, you got to He's like, oh, you know the Pope. No, he said, you know the Pope of Granite Village? And I was like, no. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, you got to watch that. So. Gino Caffarelli. That's it. So, uh, yeah. Listen, on the man note, I said this a few weeks ago. I have this friend and he's single. He's 65. I know. He's 65. He's an actor and he's really looking to meet somebody and he lives in Staten Island. If you know anybody, hit me up. Nice lady. I mean... I guess he could be with somebody in the 40s, but I feel like it should be like 50 to say. Yeah, I shouldn't probably sell, say how old the woman should be. I should let him decide. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm his Patty Stanger right now. Okay. So one of my food groups that I'm a part of talked about um, storing fruit in mason jars. And uh, I'm sorry, my mind is blown that I just ordered a whole bunch of fruit and mason jars just to like put it all together. I, I, I can't even believe this. This lady, she posts in the group and she says that uh, she had cut strawberries and uh, raspberries and blueberries and she wanted them to last, you know, whatever. And so she took individual mason jars, right? And she put a little tiny uh, piece of, well, she filled the jar with the cut fruit. Well, let me say this. Actually, let me rewind. She filled the jar with the blueberries, put a little piece of cut of, uh, a little uh, piece of, um, paper towel and on top of the cut fruit. So what the hell am I saying? On top of the blueberries, <laughs> twisted the jaw, did the same thing for the strawberry, a cut up strawberries, and then did the same thing for whole raspberries. 
close the drawers, put them in the refrigerator upside down. So all of the um, excess uh, juice from the fruit, it would drip down and it would absorb into the paper towel. The fruit lasts three weeks like that. Did you have any idea? I, okay. The fact that I could get blueberries to last for three weeks in an upside down mason jar in my refrigerator is mind blowing to me. And the same thing for cut up strawberries. How is that even possible? Cut, and the reason why I'm emphasizing the cup part is because usually they get slimy after a few days. And I have no idea how raspberries work like that because raspberries also get that soggy and raspberries are always a peculiar berry, right? Like it's always one of those berries that get moldy fast, you know? Anyway, I have mason jars at home, but they're not the right size. So I ordered a little box from Target and I got the fruit on the way. And um, I'm going to do a little project later on because this is this is game changer. This is a game changer, people. All those times you would make a fruit salad, like as if people are still making fruit salad. Like, yeah, like yeah, ambrosia. Mm. If you have a recipe for ambrosia, send it my way. I'm not on, it's not on my diet, but I love ambrosia. But all these times, yeah, all the fruit goes bad and all that. I buy this nice thing of fruit from um Costco. It has like cantaloupe and and honeydew and grapes and mangoes. And it, it like by Del Monte, it's, you know, like in the pre-cut, pre-packaged, refrigerated section. And it comes in this like compartmentalized plastic kind of like throwaway Tupperware thing. And it's great. It lasts for a week. But if I can get this fruit to last for three weeks, this is this is a big deal for me. White tank tops are back in style, ladies. Okay. Apparently. That's part of the Y2K fashion. So, um, you know, 20 years ago, I would wear the Hanes men's guinea tea, wife beater. I don't know the name for these white undershirts, okay? Because <laughs> every name that I say is progressively worse. But if you want to get on the white tank top bandwagon, I do, I wear like tank tops, like cotton tank tops, like every day. I have one on right now, black one. The Gap modern tank tops, in my opinion, are the best because they go on sale, they stretch, and like I can get away with wearing an extra small one, which is hilarious. But if I wear a medium, which you know is my like regular size, it's a little baggy, which I like, but deceptive because then I think things like, oh, I'll have oat ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> okay. The product of the day is something that I didn't buy and I'm a little scared to buy but you might want to buy it. It's called baby foot. <laughs> so a friend of mine uh, who's a comic posted on Facebook. She doesn't know I'm saying this. I'm just going to like probably ping her with the episode and she'll probably be like, oh my God, her family's crazy. Um, she, uh, she posted this picture of her watching TV, I think like with her cat and she has these baggies, these booties these Ziploc booty bags on her feet, you know, and the feet are just like extended into the picture and the TV is in the background next to the cat, whatever. And she says, giving myself like a foot facial. And I was like, oh yeah. And I, I, I don't, um, I don't like do the, the pumice on my feet. I have actually like nice, I have like nice, like smooth feet. I don't know how, because I live in the city and I walk all over the place, although not now because it's, you know, so dangerous, but anyway, um, 
I don't do like the pumice, but I I do like sometimes, you know, like in the winter when it's really cold, like to put lotion on my feet and then put like a pair of like fuzzy socks, that kind of thing, you know, and sleep like paraffin treatment. But apparently baby foot is like you buy the paraffin treatment and it's these plastic bags. But the reason why I'm scared to try it is apparently in like three to four days after using baby foot, your feet start to shed and I don't really know if I want foot skin all over my apartment on my wall-to-wall carpeting. You know what I'm saying, people? So, but Baby Foot is the product. It's $25 on Amazon. I think it's great in the sense of, I know I have a lot of girlfriends that are like using the razor and the pumice stone, like all the time. So if Baby Foot can, can, you know, interrupt that thing, that's a game changer. Okay. Quote of the day. Oh, 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 let me say this. I am on the road with Vic DiBettetetto. Um, this upcoming weekend. Um, well, it's not this weekend. It's uh next August 5th and 6th. We are in Connecticut. We are in Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut, the stress factory. If you're in Connecticut, if you're from friends in Connecticut, go to the Bridgeport uh, Stress Factory website, Bridgeport, Connecticut, get your tickets. I'm not on the website. Why? Uh, but um, it just <laughs> just buy the tickets for Vic's show. You'll see me there. I'm uh, doing 20 minutes and uh, opening for Vic. And he is like, I mean, I've told you how much I love him and how kind he is. So you got to come out. It's going to be fun. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm working, you know? Um, <sighs> trying, you know, trying. I think I need more fans to go on like an official tour, right? I don't know. You know what? Word of mouth. Word, word of mouth goes a long way. That's how Sebastian came up. Word of mouth. Everybody was like, you heard about this Italian guy? He's funny. That's what we got to do with me. <laughs> I need the love. I mean, can you see what I'm dealing with in my house? You know what I'm saying here? Okay. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Not. Uh, okay. Quote of the day is by the one and only Tony Soprano. And I, it's, it's because of me. And it says, who cares about the shit people say if they don't have the balls to say it to your face? The big tone. I'm Elise DeLucci. This is episode 109. Don't send it to my mother. Love to love you. 